This is the show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Welcome to the Pot of Blunders. I am your host, Nate Magnuski, and this is part two of our Facing the Titans actual play. If you somehow managed to click on this and missed part one, you're going to be real fucking confused, man. Uh, go back and listen to part one. It's really good. But part two, honestly, is even better. I, I really, really loved this episode. Before we get into the game, I want to make sure that you know that you can follow the links in the show notes to go support the author of this game, Nikola Gulix Romville. He's an amazing author amazing designer, and just an all-around good dude. One of the key people, in my opinion, of the French indie RPG scene. And it's just always good to support good and deserving people, and Nicolas is definitely one of those folks. So, without further ado, thank you, as always, for listening, and let's start the show. This is the world phase now. We've moved on to the middle phase of this, and in this, we're back in our companions. We're talking about the things we've experienced out in the world prior to rejoining. So the Titan now is in the background of these conversations we're going to have. Basically, we're catching up. The two tones in this phase are the positive one is wonders and the negative one is ruins. So basically, we're talking about our experiences before we rejoined. Sir Digglesby, where were you before you came to this place? How did you occupy your time? Oh, I got a five and a five. Oh, you rolled doubles and that's a special thing that happens. Hold on. I thought we were going to get away without having any doubles. Doubles expose a threat. When a player rolls a double in the world phase, they have to integrate a threat into the story. The threat is a third party who will act against the company or a companion for a reason of its own. It's a Titan-specific threat. There's a group called the Incineers. So the Incineers recover each piece that fell from Satria to analyze it and try to reproduce it. That's the threat that you have to incorporate into your vignette. They're called the Incineers? I-N-S-I-N-Y-U-R-S. Maybe Insigneurs? I think the Insigneurs are part of that group or that community that follows Satria behind it. Do we give them a name? Because maybe that could be their name. I think I call them the Carrion Walkers or some shit like that. Oh, yeah, the Carrion Walkers. But that could be like their common name. Like That's what people will call them when they want to denigrate them. The fucking Carrion Walkers, but they call themselves the Insigneurs. Like you said, they've been collecting parts of Satria as they've fallen off. And I think they're starting to replicate Satria in miniature form by using and cannibalizing those parts. So it's not just this one huge threat. It's like a small little army of robots. Earlier, I had asked you what you were doing before you came here. So how how were you involved in that? I can imagine that the Insigneurs are a pretty radical group. My employer, the king of of (laughs) Safia, sent me out with a a few other wizards and a strike force to investigate the incendiaries or the carrion feeders because the the rubble of the cities something changed where it it wasn't just like absolute devastation it was like completely ransacked where just everything is absolutely destroyed um so i was sent out there with my strike force to figure out what's going on and get some intel on this giant and that that's how i saw what was happening my strike force, we went and waited for the Titan to appear. 
During that time, I think a number of them died in this incendiary strike force or attack. And I was one of the few who, who survived. And I think maybe that's why Ozaris wanted me to, you know, work with him. Mm. I, I've seen the the threat, so I, I know like what to expect. A motif from CJ's thing, I think survival of the fittest comes up again because you're the last the lone survivor. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna write the final survivor. Ozaris, why don't you go next? And we have to have two echoes from previous mm-hmm. motifs in this round. All right, so Richard, you had a three and a four. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that'd be ruins, right? So I think I saw the ruins of Artka. All the docks destroyed. All the once bustling city has just been uh, flooded. It's actually half underwater. And now it's become kind of like the bad part of town. There's like wizard drugs and like wizard gangs. Yeah. All kinds of bad whiz biz. <laughs> whiz biz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically become our new Bedford. <laughs> Rapidly gentrifying and becoming impossible to buy a house in. Nice. Yeah, well, now, but like yeah. 10 when years ago. We were ago. kids, yeah. Actually, it's very much like New Bedford, given that's a whaling town. Well, that's what I was going for, yeah. even though it nobody knows a, what a New Bedford is. It's a whaling town that has a drug problem now. <laughs> Where it used to be a drug town that had a whaling problem. <laughs> <laughs> and those were dark times, let me tell you. So I had, uh, as a motif, the shattered ruins of sunken Arcta. Yeah. It's right. new New Bedford. All right, five and a three, so wonders. You know, before you assholes drag me into here... I was having a lovely time. <laughs> I was out in this little cottage in the middle of nowhere, using my retirement money to just drink and smoke all day, every day. I had myself, my hunting dog, and no one else for miles and miles around. It was quiet. I didn't give a fuck about Satria. I didn't give a fuck about Osefia. Fuck him. I don't care. I was having a wonderful time. Sometimes somebody would see my little cottage and try to rob me, and I got to kill him and bury him in the backyard. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> but no, you shits couldn't leave well enough alone and had to drag me into the save the world. Well, I didn't want to save the world, and I'm still not sold it's a good idea. That was wonderful. That was a wonder. My wonder was my little cottage of peace in the middle of nowhere. You know, I think this is an echo of optimism soaked in bleak realism. It's nice to have a cottage, but in the reality of things, everything's going to get destroyed and die. Is that a stretch? Nah. I wrote tiny points of light that will eventually get snuffed out. As if like a serial killer's log cabin is like a tiny point of light. I'm not a serial killer. If someone tries to rob you, you know, I have ye olde castle doctrine. I have literal castle doctrine. I I just imagine like some mailman or something coming out into the middle of the woods and knocking on your door and then you (laughs) kill them. And then you put like I don't know, like your vase in his hand, and you're like, oh, you tried to rob me. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Satria? Oh, you picked the wrong motherfucking door. <laughs> Anyone have the next vignette they want to do? CJ, do you want to? Uh, I, I could try it again. Oh, I got a two and a two. Again, you I'm fuck. cursed. So for two, <laughs> the Church of the Holy Ruins considers the Titan to be the messenger of the Last Judgment. Its ravages have meaning and must be revered. The pious will survive. So there's some, like, zealous group who worships this thing. The carrion walkers are, like, practical. They they follow it to make profit off of it, in a way. Mm -hmm. That's how they live. 
they don't care about it as being a, a godhead or something like that. But these fucking weirdos, for whatever reason, they're like completely out of their minds. Yeah, they're the zealots that are worshiping whatever piece falls off. This must be a whole faction or maybe like a country of people who worship Satria. What if it's a cult? Mm-hmm. They have a lot of people in power in different areas and they don't want the people shadow to unify. Cult or a shadow yeah, they government. They're keeping everyone splintered so that they can't unite to fight Satria and stop it. Oh, I like that idea to. a lot better. They're, the whole point of them is just so discord. Right. That and people subtly. can't unite and defeat Satria like Satria was defeated 700 odd years ago or something. Right. So let's put it in the form of a story. So how did you how did your character run into these people? How did you figure this out? Because this is this would be like revelatory information to Doreg. He's like, what the fuck? Cult that runs all the governments? What are you talking about? Maybe Sir Digglesby learns that the leader of this old folks home or whoever's controlling this old folks home is actually doing it to serve that shadow government. Mm. So they're they're trying to turn these wizards into robot warriors or something so that eventually they can destroy everyone else all in one fell swoop by raising some sort of army. I imagine like he was walking down the hallway, it's really cheesy, and then he like here overhears a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no. Somehow Sir Dugglesby is always in the right place at the right time, I guess. Like a wizard's goblet to his ear in the wall. <laughs> or like we could do like he was scrying in his bowl and happen to like dip into someone else's scrying conversation. That that sounds too cool. <laughs> he found a, a stone of far speaking, he picked it up and it was like new stone, who dis? <laughs> How about shadow government as a motif? Sure. Shadow government cult. And I think this is another echo of Splintered World. Mm-hmm. We don't need another echo, but it's nice to have. So we have three echoes in this one. We didn't need all three, but hey. All right, but now we're going to the new vignette between phases. Woo! Okay, so you closed the world phase, CJ. So you're going to narrate a vignette about how the Titan demonstrates its presence while the companions are still sharing their experiences. We're probably still in the garden, and Ozaris senses that this thing is coming, and then maybe all of a sudden it shoots out this giant laser beam that, like, destroys some towering skyscraper in the distance, and you just see this beam of light pierce it as if it's, like, gotten some sort of new capabilities. Like a blocks-wide being that just destroys everything through the city like a solid avenue yeah, of exactly. death. Oh, that's our cue. <laughs> so now we're on to the preparation phase. We need three callbacks in this phase. We're talking about what we've done to prepare ourselves for this battle. And the tones we have are mystical and rational. Mystical being the positive tone, rational being the negative. So let me roll. So mystical. You know, I, I know we haven't spoken in a while, but I want you to know I'm not just a big dumb fighter anymore. I've used the time before I spent time in my cabin studying and training to get my magic up because that was always my weak point. You know that. I can fight anybody hand to hand, but when it comes to the arcane, I was no good. Are you familiar with the cave people in the northern steppes? Of course. They're incredibly insular people. They don't come out to the sun. They're fabled for their magics. They use rune magic, which is a way to inscribe things with magic so that you can use it later on, even if you aren't capable of, of wielding it yourself, of summoning the raw stuff and controlling it. Well, I went to them and I sought after them and I studied with them for about 30 years. 
actually have a wife amongst them. I wonder how she is. <laughs> Maybe dead. I'm not sure. And I kind of like let down my furs and I'm completely wrapped like a mummy. But all of these bandages are covered in these crazy runes. Like these thick straps of leather that are all embossed with these glowing different colored runes. I'm ready for whatever comes. We can do this. As stupid as I think this is, I'm not going to be caught off guard. So I can't recommend my own Echo, but this could be a survival of the fittest thing or power at great cost thing. What would be the cost? 30 years of the mole people. So time. Yeah, but you're into it. You fell in love. It wasn't love. It was a marriage of convenience. Yeah. <laughs> the only way they would reveal to me their secrets is if, if I was married to one of them and became one of their own. So I found the most desperate, oldest woman I could find. <laughs> I married her. She died, probably, I'm assuming. And I inherited her. Her hole. riches and everything. <laughs> no, there was no riches. It was like a hole in the wall. It sucked. But it was worth it in the end because now I got these cool, cool magics. So maybe survival of the fittest to be set to like a Rocky montage of like you inscribing the ruins and you're like you banging an old mole lady. <laughs> <laughs> like you're doing all the prep. All the best around. I'm going to take you to Mole Pound Town. <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't want to write mole strange. Let's see what else I can write. Respecting so your elders. <laughs> the mole man rings twice. <laughs> How about uh, power gained in shadows? <laughs> I'm writing that because it's better than whatever the fuck you chuckle fuck said. I'm going to hand the dice now to Richard. <laughs> Do you think that's wise? No, but <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. All right. We got a six and a one. So mystical. My mystical prep. I know that I need to be the strongest wizard in the world to take down the strongest titan in the world. Mm. And I've been selective over the years of what magic I steal and suck because I don't want to make it too obvious and I don't want to destroy like some of the greatest magic minds of a generation but I feel like now I've had no choice so I think for the last couple of months I've been sneaking out of the nursing home at night or like astrally projecting halfway across the country killing wizards so like you're like a serial murderer ghost (laughs) yes like, yeah, oh yeah, I've like Freddy Krueger these guys in their sleep. But like... <laughs> Give me your magic, bitch. Ah. <laughs> so like, I have become Wizard Supreme. I didn't want to do it, but it's them or us. And it's the only way I can be strong enough to defeat the Titan. And I, well, I can't suggest my own. I mean, you can always go. suggest that and then we can edit it out. Oh. <laughs> well, because I either goes with sucking magic... Yeah. Um, or power at great cost because I've I've wrecked magic for a lot of people because of this. I think that echoes power at great cost really well, but I want to phrase it differently because you're literally an actual projection ghost murdering people. So it, it doesn't have to be like an idea like that though, right? Can't a motif right. be very symbolic, Symbolism. like a yeah. symbolic thing? Yeah. It could literally be like, like astral projection murder ghosts. You can write that down. That's your motif. Maybe Ozaris like magically appears at the top of this wizard tower and there's this just wizards going away on his scrolls and then he turns around and there's Ozaris and they just like force lightnings the wizard <laughs> dude and nice. he just dies and you see his like wizard hat roll off or something and that's the motif <laughs> I think it could be something like that it, is- it absolutely can it absolutely can <laughs> I'm gonna write a bunch of dead wizards rolling wizard hat 
Maybe that's what happens each time he kills the wizard. There's always the wizard hat that rolls off. Even if they're not wearing one at the time. <laughs> yeah. That's it your calling card. <laughs> you leave a, a crumpled wizard hat. <laughs> Guys, I am the wizard hat killer. <laughs> I hate you, WHK. <laughs> All right, like mocking letters to the police. It's all in rooms. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, you are the, the mastermind behind all this. You brought us all together. All right, CJ, go ahead and tell me how you prepare. Prepared. <laughs> okay. Prepared. I got a four and a five. Oh God, rational. Is this the phase where we learn how to beat it? This is the phase. We're talking about the resources we can bring to bear against it in the in the clash phase. We do need a way to beat this thing. I'm gonna seduce it like a mole lady. <laughs> <laughs> Making my giant bride. Sir Digglesby, always in the right place at the right time. He finds some sort of ancient library that detailed that giant exploding whale way in the past that left the craters. I think he found some old explorer's journal who found these islands. So that got Sir Digglesby thinking like maybe these whales could hold the power if in some way that could generate an explosion large enough to destroy a satria how exactly i don't know so well, we need to get a boat capture a whale or somehow we have to get one <laughs> we have to you know you seduce mole people maybe you could seduce a whale on a bucket list <laughs> somehow um, we could get one of these whales to to here and maybe with enormous magical power that we can channel the whale will just amplify that into an enormous explosion yeah we can harpoon a whale drag it alive to the titan and then explode it (laughs) yeah drag it out of the sea with our bare hands and make it explode I think then the final battle should be in the, the ruins of Arca or what if I've figured out how to do it I figured out why this whale generated this enormous explosion, and I know how to replicate that without the whale. What if these whales never die? They get older and more powerful. And what if the whale that exploded, the bones were like crystalline, like almost like diamond, and they were able to be recovered from this crater, and they're in the history museum in town. And you learn that the bones can be used to like channel the harmonics of the magic and amplify them. I mean, I like the idea of harpooning a whale and dragging it out of the sea and slamming yeah. it into the base of this giant robot, but I think that that probably makes more sense. That's more rational think, than what I said. I just think geographically, like, it's here blowing up a city that we're in currently right now, so we're gonna fuck off. Yeah, we gotta do north. it now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe what powers each of these cities is that there's a whale in, like, a SeaWorld-type tank that they keep alive. So like nice. every, So, like, the power plant is literally... One giant magic whale, like the oldest the t- ones they can find. Yeah, but it it's horrific. Like a big whale, like treated like that, like way worse than Sea World. Oh my god! Like it's got a ton, you know, disgusting. It, it's in a big, you know, a tiny tank where it literally can't move, and it's just got hundreds of electrodes and things hanging off of it. So if we can lure Satria towards it, and we can use our magics and my runes and whatnot to explode this fucking whale. <laughs> Yeah, and, and use all of his energy at once, and that's power, great cost. Because in doing so, we'll destroy the power source for the city. 
will probably destroy and the maybe city. the city itself too. Yeah, well that too. And everyone that lives there. Which, without magic, we're doing them a favor. Exploding whale bomb, whale bomb, exploding whale bomb. Yeah, it'll be like those beached whales that, like, once they rot enough, they just explode into blood and guts. It's horrible, but it'll be more magical. Each phase has different rules when you roll doubles. Mm-hmm. So we only had it happen in the one time, but there was one where, like, you make a statement that you know is incorrect about the history of the Titan, and someone else can come in and tell the truth about it. So, oh. like, I heard this, and then, like, CJ's character would be like, actually, that's fucking horseshit, and here's how I know that. So, yeah, there's a lot more behind this game that we haven't been able to get to just because of how we're rolling. But Right. So I'll roll now and... Okay, fuck. I was hoping for rational, mystical. Any pretense of you not being a fucking vampire has to go out the window at this time. Yeah, I can't keep it a secret anymore. Like, that's why I've gone big lately. I think you need to go bigger. How many people can you tap at once, and can you be selective so that Digglesby and I don't die in the process? So the, the whale is hooked up to all the people, and they're getting their magic from the whale? It's powering the industry, at least. Maybe they don't get their individual magic from it, but... What if I could, before we explode the whale, I could, like, hotwire myself into the whale and reverse polarities and then... Of course. And then absorb all the whale magic. Well, then the whale wouldn't have enough magic to explode. Yeah, but I'd have a lot of magic, though. We didn't say that the magic made it explode. I think it was implied. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, a bunch of TNT made the whale explode. Yeah. Did I mention the TNT? Because it was pretty important. Well, no, because maybe it's got like a, a valve in it. That... <laughs> the whale valve. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like the blowhole. That's how the pressure gets released. Right, and maybe somebody put the thumb in it. Golf ball. <laughs> it's fucking so stupid. There's a plastic bottle that watched in there. I think that's that's fine if that's your plan, though. Like, yeah, you're going to try to channel it, and worst-case scenario, we just blow you all both up. Like, we'll reverse the polarity from you into the whale, and then I explode would, even well, I'm better. I'm 750 years old. Everything I've ever loved has been dead three times over. I, I'm ready to go if that's the case. This is more sacrifice, right? So I'm going to write wizard to whale slash whale to wizard as the motif for this. Because <laughs> either way it goes, you know how to do it. What about the the motif of just reverse polarity? Okay. You know, powerful. <laughs> it's an easy sell. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sounds good. We'll bounce attack you on particle beam off the main reflector dish. All right, so now, my friends, is the time for the assault. Richard, you enter the preparation phase. That's true. And now we're going to narrate a vignette and how the companions end their meeting. And then we'll move on to the clash phase. The final phase. We end our meeting with a wizard toast. Remember I said no alcohol before a big fight, but we may all die tomorrow. And we all enjoy a frosty mug, but it's magical. Yeah. Yeah, because we're wizards. Yeah. Right. I like that. Because, I mean, the city's being blown up actively. Everyone's probably running around crazy right now trying to, like, save people, and we're just sitting there having a cold beer. Like, it's all going to plan. It's fine. (laughs) I'm almost sad that it's a wizard garden. I really would have liked the idea, because especially we're all like veterans, where it's like at a really depressing VFW, but like a wizard version. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back.
All right, moving on to the fifth phase, the clash phase. The tones in this are jovial and glum. So for the jovial tone, it evokes the heat of fighting and the passion of the companions, the sounds of battle, the graphic violence of the blows, the pleasure provided by the confrontation. And the glum phase is the voice that fades away, the cold steel, a whispered prayer, a glancing duel, death that comes after, that kind of stuff. So Richard, you enter the previous phase. You're going to roll a tone and describe in one or two sentences what their companion does to get closer to the Titan. And spoiler alert, one of us is not going to make it to the final fight. Whichever one of us rolls doubles first, their character dies on the way to the, the confrontation. Okay. And then that player becomes a Titan and plays the Titan in the final phase. Sick. I want to do yeah, that. It's so dope. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, that's so good. <laughs> we have all these plans. Like, if Richard's character fucking dies... Like he was gonna be the bomb, the channel guy. Like, what the fuck? Are we what gonna are we do? gonna do? Right, and if yeah. the and if the Titan absorbed my powers, yeah, that's, that's bad like, news. yeah, that's real bad news. So, so one and a two. So I am in the glum, glum zone. Town. Yep, <laughs> glum zone. So. <laughs> do you have a depressing party for thirty plus year old man? Come down to the glum zone. Set it up. We have lukewarm pizza. Uh, I like some chairs. <laughs> Our mascot's still a rat. <laughs> He's got no whimsy left in him. <laughs> All right, what am I doing? <laughs> you're gonna in one or two sentences talk about how you're gonna get like their first step in getting to the fight. So like, all right, I go to my rooms and I gather my shit and I head out the door, or something like that. Oh, okay. But it has to be fucking glum, so don't make anything happy about it. I'd say I want it to be like a montage, like a getting ready montage. Yeah, like people are dying all around us. But yeah. we're just cool as cucumbers. We're glum as glumcumbers. No, <laughs> cuglumbers. <laughs> I think Gary Jewell's Mad World is playing. I am looking at pictures of my like 13 wives that have all died. Like the first one's like a cave drawing, like I tore off the wall. The next one is like a daguerreotype. Um, oh, that's a big jump. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to use daguerreotype in a in a sentence. Oh, good. But you haven't done that today. Yes, I have. Hey, Jenna, pass me that daguerreotype. Everybody in the nursing home is getting slaughtered by the mini robots, you see. Because they can fit in a nursing home. The Titan can't. That's the advantage. They're very strong hands. Yeah. I have a wizard nice. duffel bag that's, like, s- small but I can put big things in it. It's like a TARDIS for a bag. Like a Mary Poppins bag. Yeah, like a Mary Poppins bag. And I'm putting, like, wizard bazookas in it. And, like, <laughs> I'm just putting wizard in front of things, and it makes it magical. Oh, perfect. But the point is, I can fit big things in a little bag. It's visually interesting. Were you Two keeping seconds. the wizard bazookas in your room? In the bag. So you took them out and are putting them back in? Yeah. I was, I was like cleaning them. You're yeah, like, like, hey guys, look at my wizard bazooka. So it's, it's only two. Cool. It's it's two sentences. So yeah, and then we go to the next person okay. and see if they roll doubles, and we keep going until somebody rolls doubles, and then that person's fucking eats it. Also, the clash phase doesn't begin until somebody rolls doubles. The actual fight with the titan doesn't begin until that happens. Like this, this is a strange phase, and that's kind of two phases combined into one. Do we do we do echoes and motifs for this or no? Yeah. Not until we start fighting the actual Titan, though. As far as I understand okay. it, Nicholas probably listened to this and being like, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. But he'll, he'll get over it. He's a nice guy. 
Richard, who do you want to roll next? I want CJ to roll, because I like him. Okay, let's see. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I like CJ. I love you. Oh, all right. That's fine, then. Maybe one day me and CJ's relationship can grow to that level, but... We'll see. <laughs> Glum. The next scene is we're running through the streets, and I think everything is absolutely chaotic. There's giant, huge laser beams going around. We're running down this alleyway, and way at the end, we see someone just get absolutely bulldozed by one of these robots, and we're just trying to dart through. Everything's very hectic. Six and a five. Ooh. I think as we're running and we're seeing the buildings explode, I'm laughing. This is the most fun I've had since you assholes dragged me here. I see a robot. I smash it with my mace arm. I'm reaching into my bag and pulling out my rune-carved helmet, shoving it on my head, and I'm just having the time of my life. Some scared person walks in front of me, smash them down, hop over their body, keep running. Now it's back to you, Richard. You only feel alive when you're in battle. Yeah. Or banging a mole person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three and a four. Hey, hey, baby, come over here. Let me check you for moles. <laughs> yep, there's one. All of you. <laughs> no, I probably checked her for people. <laughs> so you got a what? <laughs> Sorry. Three and a four, so I'm back to glum. You're glum. I'm ha- well, at least one of us is having a good fucking time. That's a glum thing. You see a wife trying to pull her husband out of a class building, and she does, but his fucking bottom half is erased. Oh my god. <laughs> a neat crayon drawing a big red mark down the street. It's pretty glum. Jesus Christ, this is like some 9-11 <laughs> shit. <laughs> you want a glum? I gave you glum. Alright, I'm I'm not beating that. <laughs> Meat crayon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CJ, go ahead, bud. Okay. I got a five and a six. Ooh, Let right. the glum train keep on rolling. True, true. Uh, <laughs> we, we see an orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We go in there and we save all the orphans, but just after we do, I get a call on my sending stone. <laughs> and it's my doctor. <laughs> And he says, I have wizard cancer. <laughs> you set us up with the orphans. <laughs> so stupid. It's so good. <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah, it's me. You might want to get yourself tested. <laughs> it's like a wizard cancer. <laughs> oh, damn. This is the second episode in a row we've mentioned someone getting cancer. We're, we're broken people, CJ. <laughs> now it's my turn to roll. A four and a three. Hey, I'm still jovial. Did you get a call from your doctor saying you're perfectly fine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a call from my doctor saying, hey, Sergio me definitely has cancer. And I'm like, yes! I know I'm in that fool's will. <laughs> It's all coming up Millhouse. <laughs> I want to have a two-story cabin when I move back. I'm leaving it like that. You can deal with it. <laughs> five and a five. Oh, Richard is oh, the no. Titan. Oh, very no, because, yeah, we're screwed now. The double brings death. If the player rolls a double during the assault, their companion dies. <laughs> Using one of the tones of the Titan now, Richard. Describe how your guy dies. This is the last time he'll be in this game. I guess we'll go night. This was all part of my plan. I know my wizard body is getting old. 
I can't sustain myself any longer in this flesh body I have. I can only hold so much magic in this meat suit. So, my plan all along was to find the most powerful being, let it destroy me, finally, and I can combine our mega souls, and I will have complete will over the Titan. And I will become the most powerful thing on the Earth, and I will destroy you all. Oh, so you took it very literally that you become the Titan. Oh, yeah. Plus, yeah. that's why I don't get killed. It's what I want it to say. So why did you lure us here to fight the Titan? Then? That's that what I was going to ask. To suck your powers, because that's why I summoned you there originally. But I kind of liked you, so I didn't. We got to talking about old times. I learned that you had a family of mole Wonderful people. mole wife who may or may not be alive. Drugs. And also CJ was there. <laughs> You're the Titan now. You have some special rules you got to follow. Okay. The Clash is built on the same foundation of rules as the other phases with tones and motifs and echoes. So now we can start doing the echoes again. Every one of the motifs has to be an echo of something that happened before. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bring it all home now. CJ, if you and I get to the fourth motif before we both roll doubles, we survive. We win the game. Richard doesn't want that to happen. He wants to murder us. It's likely that we'll win, but not guaranteed. Richard, your role in here is the Titans to give us challenges. You're supposed to be escalating your stuff. So you're, you have to show how the Titan is now aware of us. Mm-hmm. And of course you would be because he's got your wizard brain in there now. Right. And the things you're doing to destroy us, destroy the world around you, show its power, show its destructive force, and try to murder us. Who? Well, I guess, Richard, you can choose who you want to target first. I will target you first because you're the younger of the two and I don't respect you as much. That makes sense. Well, i got to escalate, so I'll start small. And really, that I could make the same offer to, to CJ. Mr. Biggles? No. Dr. Mr. Biggles. Sir Digglesby. Sir Diggles. <laughs> Dr. Diggles. <laughs> Dr. Diggles. DJ Diggles. No, Dr. Diggleby. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is your... Mr. It's the second time someone's mentioned DJ Diggles in the past two weeks, too. Corey mentioned it last time. Sir Digglesworth. Digglesby. Digglesby. Okay. I can make the same offer to Sir Digglesby. Why fight me? You will never be as powerful as me, but I can guarantee you eternal metal life in one of my minion bots. So don't fight me. Join me. And together, we can rule the galaxy. Is this like a telepathic message? No, I'm yelling. Hey! Oh, you're yelling? Yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm real tall. <laughs> Okay, I roll a five and a three. So I think I consider your offer for a moment. I can live in a cabin as a robot. Then I realize I'll never be left alone if I'm under your sway. You always have to be doing something. That's the kind of guy you are. You don't respect autonomy. That's your fucking problem. So I say no. I spit on your foot. I rip off one of the runes on my sleeve and I throw it at your feet and it explodes. It leaves like a five foot crater next to your foot. Ow! (laughs) Ow, my foot. A little. (laughs) CJ. Do I respond to that same prompt? You can. We're playing a little fast and loose with the rules, but that's kind of our nature anyway. I got a two and a one. So jovial. Right. And you can also describe what you want to do instead. Like I threw that little thing. You could say like, oh, I'm going to climb inside of him or whatever. So Digglesby is going to make a run for the whale still. Even though we don't have Osiris's power, I think Sir Digglesby knows how to make the whale go boom. He's morally 
opposed to the idea of, of putting your body into a robot. So he rejects uh, Satrius Ozarius. So he continues to run down uh, the street, dodging lasers and robots and orphanages and stuff. Does that harken back the motif of exploding whale bomb? I think it does. So making a run for the bomb. You finished your sentence. Now it goes back to Richard. So I see Digglesby running toward the whale. I don't want him to explode that whale because I know there's a lot of power in that whale. And really my plan sounded stupid leading everybody to the thing that could explode me. But all actuality, I just want to get close to the thing to absorb its power as well. Absorb its power as whale. (laughs) Old whale that ends whale. Oh, that's what we should call this episode. (laughs) So again, I have magic. Can I? Yeah, I can do anything I want. I'm a fucking... It's magic. (laughs) 600 foot tall titan. I will zap him with freeze juice. And I will freeze him in place. So now I, I roll to respond. Yep. A one and a two. So something again. Glum. Yeah. Sir Digglesby is a is an accomplished wizard. He sees this freeze ray coming at him, and he's still charging for the whale as fast as he can. And uh he sees this freeze ray and he kind of just counterspells it and creates like a shield around himself. The the whole block around him is just absolutely devastated and covered in this sheet of ice and you can see people frozen in place instantly turning into ice it's like an old married couple holding hands as they freeze to death yeah because it's glum there's a there's a puppy that got frozen solid there's a hot dog stand he's like oh no no he was jumping in midair to catch a ball when he froze so then he lands and shatters mm-hmm. there's a guy eating ice cream getting brain freeze and i was gonna have that forever <laughs> and you hear his sending stone go off <laughs> It's his doctor. <laughs> All right, so now it goes back to Richard. We can't connect our own actions to echoes from the past. Like, it has to be, like, Nathan, you have to call out my echo, and I have to yep. call out your echo, right? Yep. So we have to, like, kind of alley-oop it to each yeah. other. I just figured we'd make this, look, this scene last a little longer to torture Richard as long as we can. You know, I'm I hit my stride. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've only threw up once in my mouth, so I'm doing good. You know what? I am going to levitate the whale. I'm going to use my powers to levitate the whale, and in doing so, I will throw the whale at you. Not enough to explode it, but just to crush you. Who? You. Okay. So the fucking whale's flying at me. Okay. Um. Six and a three. A jovial. I stomp really hard, activating runes in my boots, and I'm flying up at you now. And I'm flying towards a crease in your armor right in your knee. And now, just like in all those dreams you had in high school, You're I'm inside, inside of you. <laughs> and I'm just wailing around in there. <laughs> I'm just like trying to smash all your pieces so you can stop moving. So I'm pulling cords. I'm smashing into things, like things that are supporting you. I'm just trying to fuck up your whole knee situation. So if I get you to fall down, at least you're not able to advance anymore. Is that anything that we can use for a motif? How can yeah. I connect this? I don't think we can. <laughs> sure, we can. sure we can. It's your power gained in the shadows. So while you're in the shadows of my knee, because you're inside of me, maybe all the inside magic is like reflecting off of you and you're getting stronger from being inside me. And my runes are like absorbing it, glowing brighter. Could be. 
okay. with that i maybe that would be reverse polarity because like you're absorbing mm, i'm just sucking you from the inside sucking oh you from the inside yeah all right what happens now richard all right well my nanobots are going to put a stop to you and your shenanigans oh no we the robots that were built for my old parts Oh yeah, That's that are enslaved oh, yeah. by the elderly wizard people. What is it like, incendiaries yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, the incendiaries. Yeah, they're all inside me too, and mm. they're fixing me from the inside out. So they see you as a foreign invader, because you are, uh, and they rush to my knee, and like ten of them jump on top of you and they try to throw you out. Alrighty, glum. I think I managed to scramble up. Like, I'm going up your thigh bone now, like, on the inside. There's, like, a, a place to crawl, but I'm being torn to shit. My boots are off. My feet are scraped up. I can barely hold on because I only have one hand still. And with my teeth, I'm able to bite another section of runes, and I throw them down behind me, and it explodes. But now I've lost that much more power, and I am horribly injured. <laughs> like, I'm bleeding out. But I think your leg is gone now. I am RoboHop now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see it either being War Leaves huge long-lasting scars or the war machine keeps on turning. Maybe it could be the long-lasting scars one if he lost something like permanent. Well, yeah, hmm. leg. I guess your leg, but hopefully we'll kill you by the end of this. Hopefully. Did wait, did Dorag lose it like a limb or something or no? I'm just bleeding out because of all yeah, the like, shrapnel, yeah. So tighten. So I think now that I have one leg, yeah. I'm unsturdy. So I could collapse onto the whale, but then that almost does your work for you. What if you're falling towards it and now you have to figure out like how to like you shove your arms into buildings to hold yourself off of it? Whatever I do, it's gonna be your problem to fix. Well, if I'm dangling out of the bottom of your stump, you can try to fall on the stump to crush me. Yeah, I'm just falling and you're going down for the ride. Okay. Two and a two. You are smushed. Oh my god. Yep. So, as I'm falling, Sir Diggles, but you hear one final laugh. And you hear, ha ha, fuck you! And I release all of my runes. <laughs> as I hit the ground. This is for you, mole wife. <laughs> I'm coming to join you. you. Maybe, if you're dead or not. I don't know. I'm going to that big tiny cabin in the sky. So what kind of damage does that do? Emotional damage. Mm. Yeah. Power at great uh, cost, for sure. Well, here's the fun thing, right? It all goes off. I'm dead before they all go off. And that's okay. when we all realize that the runes, I didn't need the runes at all. The real magic was inside of me. It's like Frank's magic stuff. It was, which is the second time we've mentioned <laughs> that in a week. <laughs> and I'm very dead. And uh, nothing really happens as a result. Oh no! It doesn't really like, blow the rest of my leg off. I no, because the runes were bullshit. They, I thought they were harnessing my power, or like I was putting like instantly power in them. Mm -hmm. But, but it was just it was like a channel for my own personal power. So when I died, they couldn't go off. It's a dud. So yeah, I died with a whimper. Oh shit! I thought it was gonna be this big cool thing, but it just kind of. Can I throw a curveball? Yeah. It's not in the rules, but it would be bad for CJ. It's never stopped us before. <laughs> Well, I think it fits with the game. Mm. So, you're dead. But, like, I think I'm talking to your soul as it's leaving your body. Because, you know, yeah. 
and I say, okay, well, you fought a good fight, you've proven yourself worthy, and I have a perfectly good body here for you, and I enslave you into the body, and you are now one of my minions. I don't want that. Why, then we can both attack CJ. No, I'm just going to die. I think you make the offer, and I'm like, I got perfectly good nuts. <laughs> I get to control my death, not you. I obliterate my soul. <laughs> Am I allowed to t- attach any sort of echo motif to this? Yeah. Or no? Or can I attach to this the sucking magic and putting yourself over others? Because yeah. this is sort of the anti that where yeah. you you tried to release your magic, but it failed. Yeah. He sacrificed um, himself for the greater good as opposed to sacrificing everybody else for the greater good of me. Right. Like, he had my journey. That's what I should have learned. Yeah, he's the shit. anti-you. Yeah. All right, so now it's a duel between the two of you. Okay. I could have been in on this, but you chose no. <laughs> you were like, oh, we'll enslave you, and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> okay, how are you going to try and kill me? I think at this point, I'm so strong, I'm just going to suck your powers out of your body. Oh my god. I am going to suck you raw. A dry? <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, even better. I'm going to pull out a giant straw. Reusable, of course. Oh, good. Because of the turtles. Or the whales. It's turtle whales. That's what this thing is. Yes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck you, CJ. Got a one and a five, so that's a glum. Oh, you feel your power starting to drain. If it was mm. jovial, it'd be like, I kind of like this. Yeah, I'm into that shit, <laughs> <laughs> and I blow my magic load on you, and you die from the. <laughs> let Let me alter this a little bit. I think it's a little silly that we're in one of the most technologically advanced magical cities in the world, and we're the only two people who are trying to do anything about it. So I imagine that as this giant robot is attacking, all sorts of like city defenses, like shooting like magical laser beams at you and trying to blow you up, it's futile because you start to try to suck up the magic from everywhere, leeching away from the city itself. Maybe I'm just a little bit too small for that, or maybe I have a timer on like, oh no, I gotta ignite the whale before this sucks away my life force completely or something. Could you get a an echo from that? Yeah, we could do... I mean, again, sucking magic, but we could also do... Survival of the fittest. Or what about tiny points of light that will eventually get snuffed out? Where, yeah, uh, like I'm sucking out the last bit of resistance. Yeah, like you're, you're sucking away the magical force that eventually it's going to get snuffed out. So now we can move to the epilogue. Wait, yeah. I think we have one more, right? Yeah, he's not dead no. yet. Making a run for the bomb, sucking you from the inside, sacrifice yourself, but no for no gain, suck all that light. I thought it was only over when he rolled a two. Oh, I guess he could win, right? Yeah, that's what happened just now. <laughs> Sir Digglesby is running, and he feels woozy because Satria Ozeris is sucking the magic out of the city at this point. And he's stumbling over towards this whale and he collapses on, on top of it. In his final moments, he reaches out and touches the whale and he recites some sort of incantation 
and you can see this minor spark leaving his fingertips and then just one enormous explosion just engulfs the the whole city so for the epilogue richard and i as our companions not the titan have to incorporate two motifs into our epilogue it's a vignette we discuss the legacy of our character the impact they have on the world and then the titans player you'll just discuss how you die you'll discuss the very end battle See, my character died first <laughs> that's sad as i die across time and space we see the outside of a cave and we go into that cave and we see like a bustling underground metropolis of all these people and then it goes to the poor neighborhood past all these strange subterranean temples markets and strange beasts there's no light besides the light given off from some fungus and some strange crystals and then we see a small home dug into the side of a cave there's a woman in there and she's looking down into this dark pool where images of our battle are flitting across the surface in real time like she's seeing it and she sees me die she kind of nods and goes good and that's my epilogue my mole wife oh see i thought (laughs) (laughs) you must not have been a very good husband no (laughs) i thought there was gonna be like a child like a little mole child with a big long giant wizard beard like, I don't know who his father is. <laughs> <laughs> he say it wasn't you. All right, CJ. We, we jump into the future an unknown amount of time. You see this bustling city where there's flying ships and magic radiating everywhere. The, sh- the sun is shining down. It's calm. And despite all the technology, you can still hear like birds chirping. There is this square in the city where in the center is a statue of Sir Digglesby. There's a ceremony in front of it of the army that Sir Digglesby was a part of when he was a a wizard. They are holding a ceremony and um, you see a soldier walking down with a a bouquet of flowers and they, they rest it in front of the statue. So CJ, we won the day. We fucking kicked Richard's ass. He should feel bad about it. We get to pick two tones, one positive tone and one negative tone from the past history of the game. And then Richard has to roll, and then whatever he ends up with, he'll have to tell his vignette using. You want to pick the positive tone, I'll pick the negative tone? Sure. I'll do um, mystical. I'm going to do hmm, ruins. Okay, and I will so, roll a five and a one. So mystical. Once the tones have been chosen, the Titan player rolls the dice, which you did. Uh, so this vignette is intended to reveal the future of the Titan if it survived the clash, which you fucking didn't. The future of the world following the events told can be discussed. We must imagine this vignette as the last scene of a movie, closing main intrigues, but possibly leading to a final twist or open ending. I think we see a flower garden. Things have started to grow again in the city. A lot of times gone by they're rebuilding children are playing you just see the top of a child a little girl in like a little girl dress and she's going down what appears to be a slide but as the camera pulls out they've taken bits of my titan body so like there's a hand she's like sliding down my fingers parts of me or throughout the city is like my leg maybe is a uh, a street light now things like that I'm watching from the other side of the gate, this playground, looking at my... Or someone is watching. 
<laughs> you like see a, a figure watching. Yeah, that's it. In like a trench coat or something. He's all in shadow. So Go. a man, a strange man in a trench coat is watching a little girl on a playground. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the camera turns around and it's one of the the really battle-damaged Titans robots. And it's barely holding together. But you can tell somehow that Ozaris is inside there. And he's plotting his revenge. But now he's stuck in this metallic body. So I imagine like in a movie... You would have had some kind of physical tick or tell that we like kept bringing back subtly throughout the entirety of the thing. Your eyes like <laughs> light up with magical arcane energy or something. Like that. No, I'm there and I'm barely holding it together. And the little girl is going down the slide, and maybe like as she's playing, I'm like waving my magic hand, and all of a sudden my other dead hand that's a slide now like starts to slowly move. Cut to black. Hmm. And that is facing the Titans. <laughs> so what'd you guys think? It's tough. It is tough. There's a lot of rules. You have to be very creative too. Yeah. It's all about being, you know, very, very creative and keeping everything in mind too, because you have to connect all the motifs. And I think it would be easier if we were together in the same room, because then we'd have a shared sheet. We'd have index cards with our locations and our our people and all that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I created on Google Drive. I use like basically what do they call it? The the sheet, the Excel sheet, but for Google to jerry rig something, and it worked well enough. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't a perfect solution. This seems like it could have been a really simple narrative game, but I kind of like the fiddly bits to it. It gives it a complexity that most narrative games are lacking. I kind of like the ritualisticness of it. Like every every phase has its own things you have to do, and they're related to previous things but they're slightly different i like the doubles rules too that was kind of cool i like the tones i think i generally tend to have either a, a dark sense of humor or like a total looney tunes wily coyote sensibility when i play a lot of these games hmm. so it was nice to have the tone first there's creativity in being limited right so you have a blank page and you know that's hard but if you have like a prompt for writing now you can start getting stuff right not and, even so much a prompt, but just a tone. And I, I feel like, you know, the first time playing through this game, it's a fairly steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. I feel like if, if we get together tomorrow to play this again, it would be like, psh, no problem. We'd have it mastered. We'd be able to breeze through it without having to recheck the rules and go back through it. One thing the author did do is at the end of every phase chapter in the rule book, there's like a one-page summary sheet that says, okay, here's each part of this phase. So real simple, real clear. So I could see just printing those out afterwards and being like, okay, now we can refer to this whenever we need. Is this a game, though? Mm. It, it's To me, it's similar like when we do our, our Magic the Gathering or our Yu-Gi-Oh card games, where it's, here's a bunch of shit, make it fit. And it's fun to, to get together and tell a story and, and put stuff together. It's not really a game, is it? I think you can argue that it's not a game until the end phase, because then there's a chance to lose and win. It's a story-generating system up until that point. It's fun, but is it a game exactly? I'm not sure. But the end part, yes, very much a game. And it's also weird, too, is as complicated as all the rules were to prep everything, Yeah. when it gets to the fight where you think there would be a lot of rules, then that's, like, the easiest thing in the world. Right. Yes, who do you challenge? And the way the rules are set up, Richard, as a titan, you'd have the dice in your hand. You would describe something. 
my character attacks CJ, whatever, whatever. CJ can then claim the dice out of your hand and say, okay, I'm going to interrupt you by doing this other cool thing. And then he'll roll and see what he gets and then react appropriately. And then the dice go back to you. So like, that's written up over several paragraphs in the book. I feel like this could have been a five-page book, and I'm glad it wasn't. I think the granularity of it actually makes it special. Is in this book, there's 16 titans. Some of them are more advanced. Some of them are like simpler to play. They all come with their own baked-in setting. We didn't use those settings, but they have jumping-off points for everything. They had different locations, different mysteries, different threats, different all that. I figured between us, we could come up with something that we wanted to play. Now, how many titans are there? 16. 16? That's a lot. How do you yeah. how do you even go about remembering all those? You know, I've always struggled remembering the Titans. I had fun with this game. I I will play this again. I, this for me is kind of like a, a quiet year type game. Where is it a game exactly? It depends how you define it. I say yes. It's a role playing game. <laughs> it's not Monopoly. Yeah, I I think objectively it is a game because there's rules to it. You don't necessarily like you said win it or lose until the end. Mm-hmm. But it, it challenges you to play it in a certain way, which requires a lot of creativity. Yeah, just because there's rules doesn't mean it's a game. You go to work every day and they have rules there, but it's not fun. It's not a game. True. It's not fun, but it's a game, and you can lose at it. <laughs> it's a rat race, man. We're all man. life is a game. Yeah. Yesterday, life seemed just an easy game to play. How I long for yesterday. Thank you both for coming on the show. Richard, not you so much. You, you're going to have to be here, so fuck you. Well, Thank you, have, CJ. I don't for... have to be. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Thank you're you, welcome. CJ, for coming on the show. I appreciate you, man. You Always a good time to have you on. Hit the record button. Yeah, I don't know where that is. You're lucky I can't find that button, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have placed you with a houseplant. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I want to say thank you to all our patrons out there for supporting us. And without you, we couldn't do the stupid shit. I use your Patreon money to buy this game. <laughs> so thanks. And I'm sure Nikolai also thanks you. So if you want to join the party and support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash pot of blunders. Richard, tell the good folks what they get. They get to hang out with us in exclusive Discord chat rooms. They get access to our bi-monthly... Yeah, no. Bi-weekly. Or twice a month. <laughs> That's the one. Twice a month we put out a little show called Jumping the Street Sharks, which we're very proud of. And as of now, it's an exclusive to Patreons. Also, I write games. And if you are a patron, I give you a free, well, not a free, you fucking paid for it, a copy of whatever game I make. And there's how many to date? Two, but I have a third in the works. And for the Pot of Blunders, I've been Nate Magnuski. May all your Ds. B12s. <laughs>